Amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you very quickly about God's bailout plan. I'm sure that you guys have heard about the government's bailout plan. How much they given to us? Given? Yeah, you can even pronounce that. I mean, billions of dollars, they're going to they're gonna shove back into the economy. Uh, now, I have a problem with that. How can a government that is $10.5 trillion in the hole, where do they come up with all that money to give? You ever, you ever thought about that? I was thinking about that this week as I was, I was just thinking about, God, what's your take on this? And how are you going to get our nation out of this? And is our nation even looking to you? And I thought about that because I know me personally, if I'm like 100 bucks in the hole, ain't nobody loaning me money. Are you with not even my friend or my wife? Are you with me? And I don't understand how a nation that's $10.5 trillion in the hole can just say, hey, we're just going to throw billions of dollars out there and we're going to help, we're going to stimulate the economy. The last time I checked is that you usually go according to the way your leadership goes. And the reason why I believe a lot of Americans are in economic hardship right now is because our government or our, our nation is in economic hardship. And so as we begin to look at those things, you begin to turn to different sources. And, and where do you turn for the answers? And so tonight I want to share with you uh, what God says. Before we get there, I was thinking about this whole thing. And it's only in America, really, uh, where a government could borrow billions of dollars when there are trillions of dollars in the hole and begin to give back. And so I came across some of these other things. And it says it's only in America... Can a pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance? Only in America are there handicapped parking spaces in front of skating rinks. Only in America do drugstores make the sick walk all the way to the back of the store to get their prescriptions, and the healthy people can go buy cigarettes at the front. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put useless trash in the garage. Only in America do we use answering machines to screen calls and then have call waiting so we don't miss a call from someone we don't even really want to talk to. Makes perfect sense. Only in America do we have drive-up ATM machines with Braille lettering. That is so awesome. How are they driving? Anyway, no wonder there's so many accidents in the U.S. at all. Only in America do we use the word politics to describe the process so well. Poly in Latin meaning many and ticks meaning blood-sucking creatures. Wow. <laughs> Only in America can you borrow billions of dollars some, from some place, even though you're 10.5 trillion in the hall. Where, where, where in the world are we going to go for help? And I believe that God has the answer. And I believe that as we begin to live by the principles out of the word of God, that as you begin to apply them to your life, that maybe, maybe hopefully you're not trillions of dollars in the hole, but maybe you're in the hole a little bit financially. Maybe we just shove finances aside. Maybe you're going through a circumstance or a situation that you need some help and you don't know where to go for the answers. Guess what? God has the answer for you. God has the input right here in his word that if you apply it to your life, that you can begin to get out of that certain circumstance, that situation. And as you continually begin to apply it, I believe that God will take you closer and closer to your dream. And so tonight, Luke 638, uh, it says this, that if you give, it'll be given back to you. Now, I know that in, in a, the kind of the way things are going right now, the last thing you would think about doing is probably giving your money away. That's probably the last thing that goes across your radar, like, you know what we should do right now? I mean, we're in debt $300. We should probably go give, like, 500 to somebody. That's probably, like, the last thing that, that kind of goes across your mind. But the principle of God's word is this, is as you give, 
it'll be given back to you. Now, listen to me. If you're in debt tonight or if you're, I'm not asking you to write checks. I'm not going after your money tonight. And I'm not going to ask you to give to somebody next to you, okay? Just stick with me for the whole entire service and this will make sense. But the Bible is very clear that as we give, it will be given back to us. This isn't just a financial principle. Matter of fact, in Luke 6, 38, it's specifically talking about forgiveness. That if you give forgiveness, guess what gives back to you? Forgiveness. And so this principle is not just something that we use when we're taking up a tithe or taking up an offering, but this principle is something that you can apply to every single area of your life. And I learned this early on, and so I learned that if I'm going through a time in my life where I'm discouraged, I've learned something that as I begin to go and find somebody and begin to encourage them and lift and edify them up, guess what happens? All of a sudden, I find myself encouraged and lift up, and man, life is actually pretty good. Who cares that they're $10.5 trillion in the hole, right? <laughs> life is good. You know, I have a roof over my head. I have a beautiful family. You know, I'm here tonight hanging out with some cool people. Life is good, right? And so I've learned that if I give encouragement away, all of a sudden I begin to get encouraged. I've learned this. I learned that if, if I'm down a little bit, maybe I'm not experiencing joy in my life. I've learned that if I go and I make somebody else happy, all of a sudden I begin to get a little bit happy. That something happens inside of me when I begin to give what I need in my own life. Are you with me tonight? This last week, I actually had the opportunity about a week ago, and I'll try not to choke up with tears, and I really mean that on this. About a week ago, our little toy poodle was tragically killed. And we've had this toy poodle for about three years. It was actually my oldest uh, car. It was her uh, Christmas gift about three years ago. And we went and visited some friends up in a safe, gated community. And someone speeding by in a truck just ran over the dog and kept going. And uh, the dog died right there in my arms. It was tragic. Uh, the girls, they took it hard. I think I was actually probably taking it the hardest because I was the one that walked uh, her every morning and give her her little treat, and we, we had good bonding time. But my daughters were so down, and I was down, but I, I thought to myself, you know what? I could stay down, and I could just walk around, and I could cry, and I could boo-hoo about the toy poodle, okay? It's, I know all dogs go to heaven, so she'll be up there when I get there, okay? But I, I did something else. I said, you know, I'm going to spend extra time with my daughters this week. And I gave extra time to my daughters, and I made them smile, and I made them laugh. And as soon as I saw that smile come on their face, as soon as I heard them laughing, all of a sudden it created something in me. This last Friday night, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do a daddy-daughter date with Cara. She's six years old now, and she's been asking questions already about boys. Help me, Jesus. So she's going to start taking karate next week and learn right where to kick. I'm a guy. I know where to kick. Okay. And... And so I thought, you know, I'm going to spend some extra time with her. And so I did a, a daddy-daughter date. Man, we went out. We didn't just go to, like, you know, like a pizza place. I took her to Greystone. I don't know if you've ever been to Greystone. And I thought, I'm just going to go all out. So I took her to a nice steak place, and I got her a steak, and she couldn't finish it all, but that's what dad's for. And, uh, you know, got her the mashed potatoes, and I let her order whatever she wanted. And we just sat there for about an hour and 15 minutes and just talked. And it's amazing. I knew my daughter could talk, but it was amazing. She was, like, nonstop, just and just when you spend that quality time. And so then we, then we went over to the Ghirardelli place and had, you know, shared a hot fudge sundae. I don't know how she fit all this in her stomach, but she did. And, and, she, and actually, when we were going to dinner, she was eating a handful of pretzels because she was so hungry. And Anyway, and uh, so then after that, I took her uh, down to the Cinderella carriage ride. And we went on a carriage ride together, and it was just like the perfect ending to an awesome date with my daughter. And I did all of that for many reasons, but one of them was my daughter needed some joy in her life. And I'll tell you what, man, as I gave that joy away to her, man, I'll tell you what, that night, man, I dreamt about that night. I was just like on cloud nine, me and my six-year-old daughter having a date. It was honestly one of the best things ever. And I believe this principle. I believe that as you give, God will give back to you what you need. I honestly, truly believe that.
So Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. What is God's bailout plan? And it's honestly, tonight's message is so simple, but I believe if you catch it, you'll see your life begin to transition and change. God's bailout plan is simply this, give. Can everybody say that word? Give. Give. That is God's bailout plan. It's just simply give. And as you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, not stirred, running all over. It's going to be put back. The Bible said it's going to be put back into your lap. You cannot go wrong with this principle that is found in God's word. In Mark chapter 6, you've got to understand the backdrop to the story. Jesus himself is, it's, you know, we, we think when we think about Jesus, we often think about, man, Jesus was just happy all the time, and he was just, man, up all the time. But you actually understand, if you read the scripture, you understand that he was actually withdrawing to a, a desolate place because he was sad. Because his cousin John was just murdered. And so he's trying to get away himself, and he's trying to pull away. He wants some alone time. And so as he tries to pull away, he gets the disciples with him. And the Bible says the disciples are hungry, so they haven't had a whole lot of time to spend on themselves either. So they're trying to get away, and they're trying to spend some time, just some R&R, some rest and relaxation. I'm going to just fill myself up, okay? So this is what's happening. Jesus himself is actually disturbed. He's actually distraught. He's actually saddened by the events that are happening. And so he gets away with his disciples. But the Bible says, as we read tonight, the Bible says before they even get to where they're going, the people beat them there. The same people they're actually trying to get away with or away from. Are you with me? They're trying to get, they beat them there and they're waiting for them. And the Bible says the boat comes on shore. There they are. Now listen to this because this is so key. The Bible says that Jesus moved with compassion for one reason. He was moved with compassion because he saw that they needed a leader. He saw that they needed someone to lead them and guide them. These people were not looking to the government. These people were not looking to other institutions. They were looking to one person. They were looking to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In other words, in in today's society, people need to be looking not, not to the church as an institution, but to the church as you and I. Because the Bible says, as Jesus was in the world, so you and I ought to be. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so now what needs to happen is people shouldn't be looking to the government. People shouldn't be looking to other institutions. People should be looking to you as a Christ follower for the answers that they have. Are you with me tonight? That's what's happening here. Now, I know that you and I go through some things. I was going through some things. I lost a poodle. I'm getting ready for this this service. And I'm thinking, my God, how are we going to do it? You know, is it going to happen? Is it going to work? You know, we're starting a church and all this stuff is going through my mind. But I realized something. There's something more important than starting a church. There's something more important than a poodle. And it's seeing people, people come to know Jesus Christ and to begin to walk in the dream and the destiny that God has for them. And that's why we are here. That's why, that why, why we wanted to plant a church in downtown because there are 40,000 people that live in downtown currently. And, and we believe that there needs to be some more good churches. There's some great churches in downtown. And we just want to come alongside those great churches and partner with them and reach the people that live down here. Did you know that within a 10-mile radius of here, there are 1.2 million people? That's a lot of people. And so we believe that more churches, the better. And so we're here just doing what God has called us to do. And see, so, you know, it's our, it's our belief here at Urban that we're not trying to create something so awesome that everybody comes and buys into it. Like, wow, that is the coolest place ever. You know, I hope you do say that. But that's not our goal. We don't want to create some vision that's so large like, oh, I want to be a part of that vision, man. That is a great vision. Because, see, I believe this. I believe that the church exists for the people, not the people for the church. Are you with me tonight? 
I don't believe the church exists for the pastor so he can get up here and, and pitch his agenda. I don't believe that you exist to come and serve the church. I believe the church exists to come and serve you. Too often times we take this scripture, give and it'll be given back to you. And then we say this from church. We say, hey, come and give to my dream. And then after 20 years of giving to my dream and building urban, then God will let you do your own thing. See, I don't see that scripture that way. I see the scripture this way. Me as a pastor, if I apply this scripture to my life and I give to you and I meet you where you're at and I come and I help you fulfill your dream and I come and I help fund your dream and I come and I pour my time, my finances, my love into you, guess what? One of these days, God's going to bring it all back to me. How can I ask you to live something I myself am not living? Are you with me tonight? And so here at Urban, our, our desire is not to paint a vision so big that you buy into, but our desire is to help you paint your vision for your life. And we want to assist you if you'll allow us to do that. Are you with me tonight? And so we see Jesus here actually fulfilling the purpose of the church. It doesn't matter that he was tired. It doesn't matter that, man, I just lost a cousin. It, do, it didn't matter. He saw the people, and that's what mattered. The disciples, on the other hand, they were thinking about themselves. If you read the story, they were, they were like being like, you know, hey, let's, let's get going here. It's late, okay? If you read the scripture, you see that the hour's late. They're in a desolate place. And if we put it in terms that we're, we're living in now, they're in a recession, okay? They're in a recession. They got nothing to eat. They got nowhere to go, okay? So they go to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, look, man, it's late, as if he can't tell, you know? And look, there's a lot of people, and we need to, we need to just, in other words, they're pretty hungry, the disciples. He said, we need, we, need to, we need to get rid of them. We need to listen to me as the church. We can never get rid of people. We can never get rid of people as a church. If we see a need, we should never send them away to go find the fulfillment of their needs somewhere else. Are you with me tonight? As the church, and if you're a Christ follower tonight, man, it is our job to say, you know what? I'll help you. What can I do for you? I'll help feed you. I'll help clothe you. I'll help find you a job. Are, are you with me tonight? I'll help meet your need. And Jesus says these words, and honestly, these words have stuck with me for so long. There's obviously no place to eat. There's nothing around. They're in a desolate place. And Jesus says these words. He says, you don't need to send them away. He says, you give them something to eat. Um, Jesus, you missed it. We don't have anything. No, you, you give them something to eat. Simply by Jesus saying those words, he was saying something. He was saying, you do have something to offer. You do have something to give. You just got to look a little deeper and find out what it is. So Jesus says, no, 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 no. You give them something. The guy says, okay, do you want us to go and buy something? Once again, their mindset is wrong. They're the church. They're supposed to be there for people. And they say to Jesus, okay, so you want us to go find some, some you know, other thing that will help minister to them. Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing the point. I want you to give something. But Jesus, we're in the middle of a recession. I mean, finances are tight. I mean, the job thing right now. I mean, I can't find a job. My friend can't find a job. Man, I, really, I mean, God, what are you talking about? Well, this is how you get out of it. You give. It doesn't make sense. You give. How does this work? And we'll finish up with this tonight. How does this work? The greatest, I believe one of the greatest principles is give. That's why the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave. Right off the bat, teaching us the best principle we can live by, giving. How does this work? How does God's bailout plan work for our lives? Now, listen to me. Jesus Christ is not just into your finances. 
first and foremost, he's into you. And so this encompasses everything. Are you with me tonight? Number one, how does this work? Number one, first give what you have to God. Give what you have to God. Jesus said this. He said, hey, what I want you to do, I want you to go and I want you to find what you do have. And so they run off. And if you read in some of the other uh, uh, stories, Matthew and in Luke and in John, you discover that they find a boy that has five loaves of bread and two fish. And so they mug the boy for his lunch. I don't know what they did with him because you never hear from the boy again afterwards. Okay. Just disappears. <laughs> they take his lunch from him and they bring it to him. Hey, this is what we found amongst the 5,000 people. We found five loaves of bread. We found two fish. But this is not even enough. And Jesus says, hold on a second. Give me what you have. And so they take what they had and they put it in Jesus' hands. They give it to Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says in Psalm, why be downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. The Bible says in Proverbs 3 that we trust in the Lord with all our heart. We don't lean into our own understanding. This doesn't make sense. Giving in this time of reading, it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't make sense to give. That's why you got to first give it to God. Because when you put it in God's hands, the Bible says, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. See, we, the, too many times we are holding on. We are holding on to something. And God so badly wants to get something to us, but we can't grab hold of it because our hands are full. God wants to bless you, but you can't grab onto the blessing because your hands are full. Something you don't want to let go of. God wants, God wants to, man, rescue your relationships, but he can't because you're holding on to a broken relationship. And until you put that broken relationship in his hand, are you with me tonight? You've got to get it out of your hand into his hand. And once you do that, then he can take what he has in his hand and put it back in yours. But you can never get what he wants to give you. The Bible says that he wants to give you the very desires of your heart. That's what he wants to give you. In other words, the dream that you have inside of you, the thing that makes you tick, the thing that, makes, that you think about all the time, God wants to give that to you. But too oftentimes we're holding on to something that's not necessary. We're holding on to a hurt. We're holding on to a pain. We're holding on to past successes. We're holding on to past failures. And we won't let go of that. And because we won't let go of that, we can never grasp hold of what God has for us. And so we have to take what we have and put it in his hands. Are you with me tonight? I was walking this last week with my daughter, and every time we go across the crosswalk, we live right in the heart of downtown, and so we've taught them the whole white hand and, and, or no, the red hand and white person that walks, you know, things, so they know, but we never let them cross the street without holding onto our hands, and so I was walking with my daughter, and we got to the crosswalk, and she had this puzzled look on her face, and it said walk, and I was like, come on, baby, we got to walk, and she's like looking, and she's looking, and she, her hand was full of stuff. And she didn't know what to do because she knew she was supposed to hold on to my hand when we crossed the street. So finally she looks up and she hands me her teddy bear. She goes, Daddy, we hold that. And so I grabbed onto her, her teddy bear and now her hand was free and she quickly grabbed my hand and we walked across the street together. God wants to lead you to your destiny, to your dream. But too many of you are holding on to teddy bears. Man, just give it to him. Free up some space in your life. And allow him to take you to your dream and to your destiny. Are you with me tonight? See, when we give God what we have, and you say, well, I don't have, I don't have anything to give God. Really? You don't have anything to give God? See, we look for something positive to give God. Well, God, I can give you a prayer. Or, God, I can give you my, my worship. Or, God, I can give you five minutes in the morning to read the Bible. Or, or, God, I can, you know, read it at night. before. God, I can do this or I can do that. Then God said, no, no, just give me what you have. Well, 
I don't really know what I have. Well, what do you have? Do you have a broken relationship? Well, yeah, then give it to him. Well, I, I, don't, I don't really have any money. Good. Give your poverty to him. Well, I, I don't know. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of afraid to step out into my dream. Good. Then give your fear to him. What do you have? If you just give it to him, man, he begins to work something spectacular, and he'll begin to give you something back that will blow your mind. After Number two, after we give him what we have, number two, very simply, we've got to receive what he wants to give you. Receive what he wants to, man, put it in his hands. It's the best place to be because then what he gives you is amazing. There was a little boy that went shopping with his mom and with his dad, and they got to the store, and mom and dad were picking up some stuff, but the little boy was standing at the counter, and the counter is like eye height with him, and he was staring at this, this jar of candy. And he was just standing there the whole time his parents were shopping, just staring at the candy. Mmm, yummy. Just looking at the candy the whole time. Fifteen minutes go by, and parents come walking over, and the store owner is now looking at the boy like, you, you, you want some candy? And he just keeps staring at it, staring at it, kind of shrugs his shoulders. And boy asked, do you want some candy? And he just keeps staring at it. He goes, well, why don't you go ahead and reach your hand in and grab some candy? And he just keeps staring at that candy. Mm. Cheeseburger actually sounds better right now, but he's staring at the candy. Mom and dad come over now, and they're like, man, kid's staring at the candy. And the owner says, hey, go ahead, reach your hand in and grab a handful. Kid just keeps staring at the candy. Finally, the owner looks at the dad and says, hey, just go ahead and reach in there. Grab a handful of candy for your son. And so the dad, man, reaches in, grabs a big handful, and they walk out together, and they're like, they're like son, why wouldn't you reach your hand in and grab some candy? big smile on his face and he looks at his dad he goes dad your hands are a lot bigger than my hands it's a smart kid but you can learn a lot from it god's hands are so much bigger than your hands the bible says that we're his children he's our heavenly father but too often times we're trying to get ahead and we're trying to achieve our dream or we're holding on to something too tightly here, holding on to something too tightly there. And God wants to bail you out of whatever you're walking through, whatever your circumstance is, whatever your situation is. He's got something so great in his hand and he's wanting to give it to you. He's longing to give it to you. And we pray prayers and we're like, God, please bail me out. And God's like, I'm trying, but you won't let go of that. And if we would just let go of whatever it is, God would then give us what he has. And the last time I checked, his hands are a lot bigger than your hands. His hands are a lot bigger than the government's hands. He can give you a lot more than you could ever dream. Are you with me tonight? Number one, you've got to give him what you have. Number two, you've got to receive what he wants to give you. Number three, and we'll finish here tonight. Number three, you've got to give away to others. You've got to give away to others. Matter of fact, in the story in Mark chapter 6, you got to understand this, that the multiplication never really truly took place. The miracle never really truly took place until the disciples distributed what they had in their hands. They gave it to Jesus. Jesus took it. The Bible says he looked up to heaven, he blessed it, then he broke it, then he gave it back to the disciples. But if the disciples were to hold on to it and keep it for themselves, it would have never multiplied and fed 5,000 people. As a church, we are never to hold on to what we have. We are to continue to give to God, receive what he has back, and then give back to people and give back to the community. 
And as we do that, ladies and gentlemen, not just as a church, not just as a community of believers, but as we do that as individuals, as we continue to give whatever God gives back to us. Man, you gave your broken relationship to him. And man, God gave you back a whole relationship. And man, God restored that marriage or God restored that relationship. And now guess what? You know what it's like to walk through some of those things. So now you can go to somebody else and say, man, you can make it. Man, you can walk through this. You can do that. I'm a living proof. Let me walk with you. And you begin to give back hope and you begin to give back a healthy relationship. Are you with me tonight? And it's never until we begin to give back what God has given us to others that it begins to multiply. That is where the miracle took place. If they would have held on to it, they could have ate all 12 of them. But you see, you got to understand something. A loaf of bread is enough provision in your hands. But when you put that loaf of bread in Jesus's hands, it becomes provision for a whole entire community, a whole entire city, a whole entire nation, a whole entire world. Are you with me tonight? It just takes a step of faith. You step out and you begin to give. I don't have a whole lot. Well, give them what you have tonight. Whatever it is, your fear, your doubt, your success, your failure, your dream, you give it to him. And he'll give you back something so amazing. The cool thing is, is it comes full circle. circle. Luke 6, 38, give. And Jesus Christ will give back to you. Press down, shaken together, and running all over. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here tonight. God, honestly, I'm honored that so many would come and support those that are on the worship team and others would come and just be here because they heard about it. So, Lord, tonight I pray that you would give back to them. God, I pray that you would honestly bless them tonight. God, that you would be faithful to the word that we even talked about tonight. God, as they came and they gave to us and helped support, God, that you give back to them.